Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Amen. That was stopping. All right. Good morning. Good to see everybody this morning. God bless you. Thank you for being here. We are starting a new series today, as you see on our screen, and it's called Cultivating a Culture of Honor. And I'm really excited about what the Lord's put on my heart to share with you over the next uh, few weeks together. And I hope this is an encouragement and a blessing to you. we got a lot of great things going on at Warehouse Church right now that we hope that you'll jump in and be a part of. This Friday night is our first Warriors meeting right here at the church at 6 o'clock. We're having some hot dogs and hamburgers for all of our guys, but it's really a vision casting night of what we're going to be doing in our men's ministry for the future, guys. And I hope you'll be here and be a part of that. I want you all to do something for me. All the men in the room, do something for me today, okay? When you leave church, when you're walking out of these doors today, every guy that you walk up to and do the obligatory handshake after church like you're supposed to or elbow or fist bump, say, hey, are you going to be here Friday night? Are you going to be here Friday night? Because I need to know how many hot dogs and hamburgers to buy, okay? And I'm not buying those frozen discs that are nasty. We're getting some good hamburgers, beef, healthy hot dogs, and we're going to have a good time. We're going to talk about some things that God's put on our heart uh, to, to do, to not only minister to the men and, and families in our church, but also to men in our community. So I hope that you'll be here and that you'll be a part of that. Uh, next week is, is going to be a neat service, too, as we continue this series of cultivating a culture of honor. We're honoring all of our senior adults. It's actually one of those hallmark um, days next Sunday. Next Sunday is Grandparents' Day. And my wife and I have done some things this week to celebrate Grandparents' Day. We joined, uh, there's a seniors, I, I can't remember the name of it, but one of our friends told us about it this week. But there's the Senior Center in Plano, right near our house that we went and joined this week. And the lady, when we were joined, it's a workout facility, but it's for old people. So we, it was kind of cool to walk in there and see all these old dudes in there working out. But it's for 50 years old and plus. And, and we walked in, and, and we were paying, we were getting ready to do that. And the lady said, it's $15. I said, is that a monthly draft? And she says, no, it's just $15 a year. And I'm like, I love being old. This is awesome, you know. Oh, so, that, so if I skip a couple months of workout, that $15, I'll have no regrets for that membership, you know. That's what I love about it so much. We're honoring our grandparents next week, our seniors. We're going to bring some classic music right up here on our stage. We have a guest worship leader that's going to be here with us, and we're going to do some hemi stuff and some old stuff and some new stuff, and it's just going to be a, a cool, funky, fresh Sunday next week for all of our seniors, and I hope that you'll be here and you'll be a big part of that as we honor our seniors. You know, I've been thinking about that as I was preparing for my message this week and thinking about some of the awesome uh, folks that God's put in my life throughout my whole life uh, in, in, in church ministry, just some, some elder statesmen. I hate to say seniors because it means kind of sounds like I'm aging them, but you know, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, if you have white hair, it's a crown. So I'm busting that crown out for you this morning. But um, when I was a youth pastor, my, my, my pastor came up to me, and I was, we had so many different responsibilities in our church. We were young in the ministry, and 
my pastor said to me, his associate pastor left. He said, hey, you're going to be the associate pastor of the church now. You know, big promotion. It's one of those lateral promotions. You get 10 more additional jobs with no more money kind of a thing. And uh, he said, you're going to be leading the Golden 39ers seniors ministry in our church. And I went, no. Right? Because to me, that was like the doorway to death in ministry, right? I, and I, and it, was my, it was my issue. It wasn't anything else. But they met every Tuesday. They brought a bag lunch in. Once a month, we took them up to a buffet somewhere. And you know what buffet stands for? Do you know what buffet stands for? Big, ugly, fat folks eating together. So, you know, that we went there every month. We went somewhere every month to some buffet. And we had to get to the buffet Right, if we were having dinner together, we had to get there by four for the seniors' discount, right? So it'd be a little bit of half price or whatever. But one, and I'm, I'm going to tell you something. They were such a blessing to me and to my wife, and honestly, even to our student ministry. Our seniors helped send more kids to camp than probably the rest of our church put together. Uh, our seniors prayed for us, they encouraged us. We just met some of the neatest guys. I think about a guy named Jim McKelvey whose wife just passed away last year or maybe, uh, maybe about a year and a half ago, and I believe he's still alive today. He's probably about 95 years old. Uh, Brother McKelvey was a paratrooper during World War II, and he jumped out of a plane, had his wrist shot. He took a bullet in the head, and that dude's still alive. He's like the bionic man, and, and he was an encouragement and always saying kind things to us, would hand little candies out to kids on Sunday mornings and just loved on people, and he told me the whole story what happened to him at World War II, and what is just unbelievable. I think about another guy named Jim Moss. Jim Moss, uh, when he retired, uh, he fixed people's lawnmowers. And he would drive around Aston Township all over Delaware County where we were from, and when somebody would throw out an old lawnmower, he would get that lawnmower and refurb it, and he would tell me, Eddie, if you know anybody in the church that leads a lawnmower, this refurb lawnmower is better than anything you're gonna get at the store. And he would say this to me all the time. It just goes to show you, you don't throw away old things. And I kind of felt like there was a little bit of a statement there with that, you know, uh, with, with, with some of the seniors in our church. Man, he was such an encouragement. I took my lawnmower to him every year. He sharpened the blade, did an oil change. Whatever you got to do to make a lawnmower run better, he did it for me, would never charge me for it. Was such a blessing. There was another gentleman named Mr. Elliot. Mr. Elliot, I, I used to go visit him about every two weeks when we were in Jacksonville. And I went to his house one day. He says, Pastor Eddie, I got something I need to tell you that I don't think I've even told my kids. And I sat out on his porch one day. It was 97 degrees, hot, humidity. It was awful. And he gave me a can of soda. And you know how long a can of soda stays cold out on a hot day like that, right? Like about two minutes, okay? So we're sitting out on his porch, and Mr. Elliot goes to tell me the story of when he came, uh, he was out on a U-boat on D-Day, and when the front flap of that boat opened up, flopped down to the, to the water, the guy that was standing on this side got shot in the head, the guy that was standing on this side got, got, got blown up by multiple bullets as well, and he would just cry about it and say, somehow God let me live through all of that. And for about an hour, he's telling me this, and I am, I don't even, I, it was so hot, I was, I, I didn't even, I couldn't even feel myself. I was, just, I was just honed in on this story, listening to this man talk about, and, and, and one of the things he said to me, and I've heard so many seniors say to me too, and now I'm kind of edging, like on the front edge of that world myself, I, I, I say it sometimes myself, 
Do people understand all that we did for them is one of the things Mr. Elliot said. Do people understand the sacrifice that was made so that we could have the kind of country? And this is one of the things that, one, one, that Mr. Elliot would say, and Mr. Moss said it a lot too. It just seems like there's so much disrespect in our world today. And, and I don't know, I, I don't know how you feel about, <laughs> I'm a little tired of everything. I, I think my, my emotion right now of everything that's happening in our world today is probably more weariness than anything just kind of tired of all the, 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 the division and, and the yucky banter and, and just the high level. And it's interesting to me because uh, older people like me, I'm including myself in that, look at younger people and we will say about younger people, oh, they're disrespectful. You know, we'll talk about what they're wearing or how they're carrying themselves or how they talk. And are they really being any different than we are? I mean, honestly. When you see what's happening, when they turn on the TV and they see people in government talk to each other the way that they do, when they look at stuff that's on social media and they see the way that Christians are talking to each other and they see the way that all of us are handling everything that's going on in our world today, they're just acting like we are if you think they're being disrespectful. And we live in a world today that's just really forgotten this principle of honor. And how do we fix it? You know, how do we fix you know, how do we fix our world? Well, what does the world need now? What's that song? What the world needs now is love, sweet love. What the world needs now is Jesus, right? The world needs Jesus so desperately, but no desperately worse than it's ever been in our world today, to be honest with you. Our world needs Jesus so much. And where does, where does this principle, where can we cultivate a culture of honor? Where does it start? And I want to submit it to you this morning. It starts with you and me personally as individuals, it starts with us. I, it, it's amazing to me. I want to, let me read these two verses to you before I kind of get into this. First uh, Thessalonians chapter four and verse number four, it says, each of you should learn to control your own lives in a way that is holy and honorable. And listen to Romans 12, nine. Let love be genuine. Hate or abhor that which is evil. Hold fast to that which is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. And I love this statement here. Check this out. Outdo one another or one-up each other all the time in doing what? Showing honor. That means our, our prince, one of our responsibilities as believers is, is to honor people that God puts in our lives. And that's kind of a hard thing, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna try to unpack that a little bit today. But how can I cultivate a culture of honor in my life, for my family, in my church, and for the world today. Here's the first thing I wanna, I'll, I'll, I'll share with you today. The first principle we're gonna understand is tell the truth even when it's difficult. We live in a world today that feels like it's governed by situational ethics. Tell the truth if, right? Or, to, or if the truth is too hard to say, then don't speak it at all. And I'm not talking about, because there's a big, big difference of truth and opinion. Right? What we see being lobbed all over social media today is, is just an onslaught of opinion. And, and it's interesting to me how this, what's happened in our world over the last 18 months, uh, it, we, it, doesn't it seem like, you only, is there a day that goes by where you don't talk about some of the pandemic stuff at some level or another? 
a mask situation or the vaccination debate that people are having and this debate and that debate. And what we're doing is we're going back and forth sharing our opinions. And I heard a preacher say it this week, and I love this. We're not looking to God for answers. We're looking at ourselves or to each other, and we've made ourselves Jesus to people because we think we're always right. And we've made a, we've made a debate into a spiritual debate that doesn't even need to be brought up in, spiritual, uh, in a spiritual climate. Because what, what we need to control is what we control, and that's our response or our reactions or the way that we treat people. And admit, is it quiet in here today? Oh my gosh. <laughs> but here's the thing about telling the truth when it's difficult. Ephesians 4 verse 15, and then I'll read verse 25. It says, instead, which is interesting, that's a contrast statement. Instead, speak the truth in love. We will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head. That is Jesus Christ. Verse 25, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we, all, for we are all members of the body. Now, we say speak truthfully. That means speak the truth, speaking the truth in love. And it's not our truth. I like how people say that, well, my truth is this. Well, there's one truth, and the truth sets you free. The truth is the holy and living word of God. And we can, we can believe something strongly about this one area and, or believe something strongly that's totally opposite of what that person believes. And, man, it's divided churches, families, uh, Christians all over. I mean, people are just fighting each other over stuff that in eternity church just isn't going to matter. So the truth that we speak ought to be the truth of Jesus Christ. Let's direct our conversations back to the Lord. Let's, let's continue to look at this this morning. Tell the truth even when it's difficult. Number two, treat each other with dignity and respect. Dignity and respect. Listen to Ephesians 4.29. Don't let any unwholesome talk, say that with me, unwholesome talk. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. What's unwholesome? Right, you could, George, Carlin, George Carlin will tell you there's seven words you're not allowed to say on radio, right? Those are unwholesome words. But there's a lot more unwholesome words than cuss words, Christian cuss words, or the cuss words you're allowed to say if you stub your toe really bad. Unwholesome talk can be gossiping, right? Unwholesome talk can be not being an encouragement to one another. Listen to how this verse finishes up. It says, don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful, listen to this, for building others up according to what? Their needs. We're supposed to be, I've got to, if I see a need that somebody has in their life, I'm supposed to build that person up, not according to what I think is right and, and what they need. I need to understand their needs and speak that truth into the life based on that need. Right? With um, building up according to their needs, and here's the thing, that it may benefit all who listen. Well, so let me ask you this question this morning. Do your words build up and benefit others? You look at different conversations you had this week. Let me ask you a question. We're in church. Let's be honest. How many of you got mad at anything this week? Raise your hand up in the air. Okay. How many of you, I'm, I'm going to raise my hand first because this, no, this is the Planet Fitness No Judgment Zone. You ready? How many of you said something to somebody that you regret? Joey, she told me. She said, just put your hand up in the air, okay? She already told me before church. I asked for permission. She said, Joey, really, really bad, you know. Right, we have, we, and we say things we regret sometimes. Do you ever have something come out of your mouth that you wish you were kind of like a lizard and that second tongue could go out and grab it before it hit that person's ears? 
no, I didn't mean to say it that way. That's not what, how about this statement? That's not what I meant when I said that. Man, I've fallen into that trap many, many times in my lives. Do your words build up and benefit others? This needs to start in our homes. This needs to be in our marriages, the way that we communicate to our husbands and wives. This needs to be in our friends' lives. This needs to be in our neighbors' lives we like and our neighbors that we don't like. Not just to each other, but with authority. Listen, it needs to be the way that we communicate to and about. This is where it's going to get hard to listen this morning, okay? Authority that God has placed in your life. How many of you have authority in your life? Raise your hand in the air. It doesn't go away, does it? Remember, you, remember when you were graduating high school? Man, I can't wait to graduate high school, and I'm going to do whatever I want to do. That's the biggest lie ever told in the history of mankind. Because the rules get harder. Adulting isn't easy. The rules get ten times harder when you get old. I promise you that. Listen to what the book of Romans says in a way that we're supposed to handle authority, and the key word is that God placed in our lives. Let every subject, let everyone, excuse me, let everyone be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority that which God, except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established or are are allowed to be in existence because of God. Nothing happens without God uh, uh, mandating it, allowing it to happen. Listen, I can tell you one person that wasn't surprised last November, wherever you stand on the election, Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, Socialist, whatever you are this morning, I love you and I don't care, okay? God wasn't surprised on November 5th. He wasn't upset going, oh my me, what are we going to do? He wasn't that, that wasn't happening to God. Somebody say amen to that. It says, the authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, there's always consequences, aren't there? Consequently, that means some of us messed up in this area, and we all know that we have. Whoever rebels against authority that God put in your life is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free? from fear of one in authority, then do what is right and you'll be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for what? For your good. But if you do wrong, then be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring judgment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to authority, not only because of possible judgment, but also as a matter of personal consequence. Ugh. That's hard to read today. That's hard to read today when you may have authority that's in your life that you may not respect. That's hard when you have authority. And not just, you know, you could say, he's talking about president stuff. No, I'm not talking about life. You know, there's times I'm sure that I told my kids to do things or not to do things that they didn't like, that they had to do, because God put me in their life to be their authority. And we're real good about that, right? When these parents are dedicating their kids, raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, bring them to church, teach them about Jesus. We love that stuff. But, you know, we don't always make good decisions as parents, do we? That's hard sometimes. And sometimes we even do the wrong thing with our kids. And we pray that God would protect all of these parents that stood before you this morning, dedicating themselves and their families and their kids to the Lord today. We honor them for doing that. But here's the thing. We don't always agree with the authority that God's placed in our life. So what do we do? 
Like we're going crazy right now in our country over stuff that's happening. But how can you, how can you as a believer get super, super mad at this stuff, right? And we as Americans represent, you ready church? 5% of the world's population. The only place that the United States is the center of the universe is by people that make maps that are Americans. You go into other countries, and some of you have done this, you go into another country and you see a world map, guess what's not the center of it? The United States. And that's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with Americans making maps where America's at the center of it, but I'm telling you something. You can't read Genesis through Revelation and find any place where it says the United States of America. It just doesn't happen. And I think we have a bigger to be very blunt, I think we have a, a, a higher opinion of ourselves than we ought to. Because listen, as much as we honor and love and all those things I talked about, about those guys and those ladies that gave their lives so that we could have the freedoms that we have today. Listen, we are blessed to live in the United States of America. There's no question about it. But we are temporary dwellers in this country. Temporary. There's not going to be an American section in heaven, I promise you. I promise you, I took a missions trip one time, many times, and I was in Guatemala with, 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 a church, with, with our family from Philadelphia. And this dude, we go into um, uh, kind of like a Home Depot in Guatemala. And this guy got real frustrated, and he was looking for a Phillips head screwdriver. Now, Phillips head screwdriver shouldn't be too hard to find in a Home Depot kind of a store, right? But he's going aisle to aisle, can't see the screwdrivers anywhere. And he just turns me, and he just, and he cursed like, you know, he wasn't Ephesians 4.29 that day. He said a bad word. And, and um, he looked at me. He said, doesn't anybody speak freaking American here? Oh. Like, there's like 95 things wrong with that statement, okay? There's no such thing as American language, okay? And we were in somebody else's country. So what do we have to do? Be subject to the authority of that country where we were What? visitors we're just visitors we put a lot of stake in being we love that stuff man we i got a flag out in front of my yard i'm not ashamed i got a big flag out in front of my yard it's better than the flag that used to be there billy isn't it i used i usually next week you'll see a different flag out next week i take my american flag fold it up rest it put it in its proper place never let it hit the ground to put my philadelphia eagles flag up starting for the first week of football season next week right we're we're temporary citizens here, church. Temporary citizens here. And we get so upset. And here's the, I was talking to a brother about this a couple weeks ago. Um, when we look at the oppression that we're feeling right now, whatever oppression you may say that you're feeling in your life right now, what do you say to Afghani Christians today? They don't know if they're going to be alive at the end of the week. And we're cussing and getting mad about vaccination and masks. That's just the truth. We, people in, in, in third world countries, people that live in China, the fastest and strongest growing church in the world today who are meeting illegally and could lose their lives for it. Christians, you've read stories about, about underground churches in Afghanistan where people are getting killed, not by the one or two, but by the whole numbers. But we visited Cuba a few times. The, the, the communist oppression is something we can't understand. But we love, man, we love talking about our rights. We have rights, we have rights, we have rights. Guess what? You don't if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You say, what are you talking about? 
because you are a slave to the King of kings and Lord of lords. It's not my will, it's thy will that needs to be done. But we want, man, we want, we want to speak our truth, we want everybody to hear us, we want our platform for everything that we believe in, but we have to understand, church, in order for us to have a voice in our world today, we need to speak words of dignity and respect. Because here's the thing about the words that you say. Your words identify the kind of person you are than it does the person that you're talking about. It's the truth. Can I ask you a question today? Do you know people when they walk into a room, you're like, oh, Debbie Downer. Like everything that comes out of their mouth is like, oh, it's like Eeyore. Does anybody know any Eeyores? I know, I know a couple Eeyores. Oh, things are so bad, and things are so tough, and blah, 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 blah. And then you have those other friends that are like on the other side, right? Uh, what's that song by the Bangles? I'm walking on sunshine, oh, right, and I'm trying to feel good, right? And they're always happy, and they're always up, and you're like, dude, can you just take a chill pill? That's a little bit too much for me today. So we like, we like the mixture of like Eeyore and like somebody super gregarious and happy and, and pumped up all the time. But you know, you know what's the truth, church? People know the way you are. You already exist that way. I heard a great statement this week. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine about some things that I'm going to share with our staff in the next couple of weeks about your five-year plan. You know what your five-year plan is? Can I tell you who you are in five years from today? An exaggerated version of yourself today. That's who you are. So whatever you're striving for, if you're, if you're in schooling, I was talking to my son-in-law, Evan, yesterday, who's taking his master's degree, and he's finishing a really hard course, and, and he's going to be done by next year, and that's going to have such big, big, big uh, potential door, doors that are going to open up for him in his life. So five years from now, the exaggerated version of himself, he could be leading a mega school someday, and I'll be living with them instead of them living with me, and I hope that that happens. That's my goal, right? But if you're doing nothing right now, guess what you're going to be in five years? If you're not reading the Word of God, if you're not praying to the Lord Jesus, if you're not submitted to His call in your life, if you're not serving, guess what you're going to be five years from now? You, you know what George Barna in his book called Revolution says about Christians? Most Christians spend about five years of their life in serious, submitted service to the Lord, and then they get what? They get fried and burnt out, and they're done. Because they get mad at other people. And man, church can be a place that has a lot of angry people in it. Did you ever go to a church service? I have. When we first came here six years ago, when you walked into the building and everybody was mad, <laughs> you're like, man, what's everybody mad about today? What happened here? Like, did somebody pass away? Or, like, did somebody really, really, did something really, really bad happen? And then just, are you just around mad? I don't like, do you like being around mad people and people that are angry? Do you want to be in a room full of Eeyores? I, I don't want to be. But, but here's the thing. We got to make sure that's not us. Because the way we are, that demonstrates our faith to people. The way that we talk to others, you're either upper or downer. You're negative. You're faithful or you're not faithful. You're generous or you're not generous. You're kind or you're unkind. But we like to be right in the middle of all that stuff. Well, I don't want to be kind all the time, but, you know, i got to speak my word. People need to know where I stand. Do they really? Do they need to know where you stand on issues? Or do they need to know where you stand when it comes to your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing, our life goal is not, is not to get the attention on ourselves. Like if we ever do draw attention to ourselves, we're supposed to be, remember, remember in the 50s and 60s? You've seen this on TV because most of you weren't alive then. They had these big, they look like the big reflectors that, that are in the front of your car when it's really hot outside. 
and they would sit under it like this to make their kind of like their chest and their neck and their underneck tan. Did you ever see those things with the reflectors? I don't know what they were called. Ref they were called reflectors? Okay. <laughs> and we, the sun would come down so you could get a big tan right there. And you'd want that to come back and get you all dark and stuff so you could have skin cancer 30 years later, right? But our job is not to get people to like us for the purpose of our own um, glory or to feed into our insecurities. If we're drawing people to us, we're supposed to be those reflectors that point people up to God. And the things that we say ought to validate everything that's in this book, right? Because we are the living word of God. For the first three, four hundred years of the church, this didn't exist. This wasn't, there was scattered, God, right? and it's a great, great story how the word of God came together. But how did people accept Jesus Christ as Savior the first few hundred years of the church? By people telling them about Jesus, living it out in front of them, so they could believe whether or not it's true. Right? Dignity and respect in our words, in our actions, in our attitudes. What's your attitude? Listen, and I'm telling you this as somebody who has a disobedient spirit. Does anybody else want to be honest this morning and say, Pastor Ed, I got a little bit of a disobedient spirit, right? I get, I get a disobedient, <laughs> thank you, Aaron. I get a disobedient spirit on the dumbest things. I'm telling you, because I'm, I'm an overanalyzer of everything. I overanalyze everything. It's awful. And I, like, I'll go into a restaurant and I'll say, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll go to put me at a table and I'll say, hey, can I have a booth instead? Because I want it my way, right? Or I'll go uh, somewhere and they'll, they'll ask me a question about something. What, do you want, not, you know, I'd rather kind of do it this way. And sometimes I have to ask the Lord to help me not to be a contrarian, where I'm just going the, uh, the opposite of what other people are doing just to be opposite sometimes. Because my flesh, I don't know about you, I am in a daily battle with my flesh that I win sometimes. Anybody else relate to that? You, you, are you tracking with me? And here's the thing. People, you don't have to speak a word at times for people to know exactly how you feel. Your nonverbal communication could say a million words, can it? In our actions, on our attitudes. And this is a really thing, encouraging thing to talk about right now. In your social media. In your social media. I, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with social media. That's the way I would describe it. I love putting all the, 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 the ESPN top 10 highlights of my day and my family up there, you know. I like those pictures where Kim and I are somewhere hugging each other because we have the perfect marriage and, and we're never, ever mad at each other and we just, we just walk around and I give her flowers every day and she rubs my feet every day and, you know, that is, that is not reality. And, and, and social media has kind of turned into this this weird reality where we see the highlights. Oh man, their family's perfect. Oh man, their life is great. Oh man, their life is this. Oh man, their life is that. And then, they, then you see the grenades out there where people are seriously hardcore dissing our government, our president, and then three posts later, will you come to church with us? We love Jesus. It, it doesn't mix, church. It doesn't mix. If you're gonna be super duper on the offensive about our president who you may not have voted for, or maybe you did vote for him. I don't care. 
what I'm trying to help you to understand this morning is way, the way that you feel about that stuff is not as important as the way that you're communicating the love of God to others. I'm telling you right now, I've, I have voted since I was, uh, I guess 18 years old was the first national election I did. And I usually do the little book, the little mini elections too. You know, the little, you know, the, when you're voting for a, con- a congressman, and then when you're voting for townspeople and stuff like that. I like that kind of stuff. But I'm going to tell you, not everybody I've ever voted for has always won. Like, I'm not, I don't have like, you know, I'm kind of like 50, 60% maybe. Same with you too. But why do we get so mad about it all the time? I can't believe you. You can't. I, I heard somebody say this this week on their social media. A Christian that I know. You can't be a Christian if you voted for a blank. And I saw that same statement about the other person that ran against that person. Here's my statement to you. Is it more important for people to know that or know that you know Jesus? Because four years is not a long time. Four more years. Four more years, right? When that, was, when that happens when the president gets reelected. That's kind of funny because even eight years isn't a long time in eternity. And we, man, we're so, we're so, we're so, it's kind of funny because what we want to happen is we want everybody in the United States to get saved, go to church on Sunday, serve Jesus, vote a certain way, act a certain way, and live a certain way. Here's the thing. You know where light shines the brightest in a dark place? And it's kind of dark right now. And are you illuminating truth or are you illuminating opinion? How about we move on to something funner, okay? If we're going to develop a, a, and, and live our lives cultivating a culture of honor, uh, not only do we need to understand that we need to treat each other with dignity and respect, we need to keep our word and our commitments. 1 John 2, 3 through 5 says, we know we have come to him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, this is the Bible, this is an, this is an opinion, Whoever says, I know him, but they don't do what the Bible commands, that person's a liar. It's kind of strong, isn't it? And the truth isn't in that person. But if anybody obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is, how, this is the evidence. This is how we know we're in him. So if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, it doesn't mean you're going to live a perfect life. I wish that was true. That'd be a great selling point. Hey, come here, know Jesus. You'll never do anything wrong again the rest of your life. That's not the way that it works. But the way that it works is, is when you give your heart to Jesus Christ and you start to grow in him and love him more every day, you start to put on the mind of Christ because you're reading the Bible, you're submitted to him, you're coming to church, you're in a group, you're putting barriers and walls around your life of spiritual safety to keep you close to God. There's going to be evidence that you are a child of God by the way that you live and the way that you talk. The truth is in you. And if the truth is in you, it's going to be made manifest or it's going to be made true by the way that you say things and the way that you do things. Keep your word and commitments. Here's the thing. I, I always, I, I have to guard myself sometimes because you know how somebody asks you if something's true and you say, yeah, it's true, I promise. Why do we, why, why do we have to say that? Because maybe we're not trustworthy. Or I'm not, see, double dog, promise, triple dog, you know, rah, 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 with sugar. And if I'm lying to you, I heard a uh, sportscaster say this on TV last night. If this guy doesn't take this pitch, I'm going to sell my house. And I was like, ooh, I hope he swings at that ball, you know. And the thing is, we're so used to not trusting others that our per- sometimes our words don't have, they don't have strength and power anymore because we're not keeping our word and telling the truth all the time. 
I'm going to thank my Johnny's dad. He sent me uh, an envelope full of handkerchiefs this week. He said, I could see you sweating really bad on camera, so I want to thank Johnny's dad for these. <laughs> and today I'm sweating a little more than normal. <laughs> Does your word have... <laughs> thank you. Thank you, I think. I'm not sure. I don't know. Hey, the great thing is, challenge me what I'm talking about today, because I'm not sharing Ed Trinkle opinion. I'm sharing the Word of God. And I pro- church, I promise you, <laughs> there you go, I said it, with the authority that's written into God's Word, there's nothing I'm sharing to you that God hasn't spoken to me about this week personally. Does your Word have value to If you say it, is that enough for it to be true? Number four, be ethical. If you're, going to have a, if you're going to cultivate a culture of honor in your own life and in our world today, you need to be ethical. Colossians 3, 17 and then verse 30, uh, 23, it says, Whatever you do, whether it's in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Verse 23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. You work because you work for the Lord, not for human masters. Be ethical. Keep your word. Do what you say you're going to do. Ethics is, a, is, a, is, a, is an interesting topic because ethics really speak into the kind of person you are when nobody's looking. Are you ethical in your dealings in our world and in your business? Number five, act responsibly. Do your duty and be responsible. We love saying to students, we love saying to young people, you know, when, when they're growing up, um, people talk to me about their kids and I'll share them stories about my kids. And, you know, your kids all kind of mature at a different pace and have different gifts and, and, and different things like that. And I would say about uh, whatever daughter I was talking about, oh, man, they're really, really responsible for their age in that area, you know, or they're really, really responsible. We notice that. We, when we see a young person that works hard, bought their own stuff, paid for their own car, do stuff like that, we really notice and we say, man, they're really, really living responsibly. But here's the thing. It, it's, it's, not, it's not just, we don't just do that so people look at us. We do that as child of God. Galatians 6, 7 says, be not deceived, God is not mocked. We, we reap what we sow. We, we reap what we sow. Number six, be courageous. Be courageous. Because we do live in a dark world today. Second Chronicles 32.7 says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army that's with him. For there is a greater power with us than with him. If you're discouraged at some of the darkness that's in our world today, you just remember something. God Almighty is sovereign, and he is still and will never give up his throne. And when things at our level don't make sense, and when we feel like it's oppressive to be a Christian, it's oppressive to be this, or it's oppressive to be that, we get all upset about this other stuff. We need to remember that God's got this thing, and we don't have to worry about it as much as we do, and we don't need to speak yucky about it as much as we do. But being courageous means not getting attention on ourselves, it's giving attention to the king. Because that's the one we want people to submit to, not to our own opinions. The last thing. Somebody say amen to that. Kelsey, too loud. Live your Christian values. James 1.22. Don't, don't just listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. Proverbs 19.1. Better the poor whose walk, better to be poor and your walk be blameless than a fool and your lips are perverse. Let me share this with you and I'm going to pray. If I were to ask you today in a private conversation to name somebody in your life that has displayed honor, okay, or an honorable lifestyle, you would talk about somebody 
that um, has different reputations in our world. Maybe a reputation of being a good, having a good work ethic. Or you would say that person of honor is good with their money. Or you would say that person of honor is kind no matter what, 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 what world you're in, whatever you believe in. They're just kind to you. And you would, you would mark some characteristics of that person in your life that has been an example to you because they have lived an honorable life. Let me ask you a question. How many of you know somebody in your life that by your estimations and by you watching their life is or has lived an honorable life? Raise your hand up in the air. Is anybody saying that about you? Honor produces honor. Let's live our lives honorably so that we can bring honor and glory to our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm pretty excited about the next couple weeks. I hope you're going to be here next Sunday as we honor our seniors and our legacy. It's going to be a fun day, and I know that uh, a lot of people will be encouraged by it. But it, it, listen, if your grandmas and grandpas don't go to church or your moms and dads don't go to church, bring them here next with us next Sunday. They will be encouraged, and I know that they'll enjoy being a part of our church service. But do whatever you got to do this week to live a life of what, church? Honor. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, I want to honor you, Lord, first and foremost as our king, the creator of the universe, the one who gave everything so that we could have a personal relationship with you. Lord, forgive me when I do things to draw attention to myself. Uh, forgive me, Lord, when, when your principles and your, uh, man, your mandates and, and, and your truth is not... Uh, coming forth from me as much as it should be, Father. Help me to live courageous and, and draw people to, to the living Word of God so that they can have a relationship with you. Forgive us all, Lord, when we get too caught up in opinions and we get too caught up in, in, in just in the weeds of, of today's yucky stuff. Help us to rise above that, live and be honorable around all of those that see us, Lord, so that we could be glory deflectors and point them right to Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. We thank you for sacrificing yourself, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you gave everything so we could have a relationship with you. We thank you for being so gracious with us. We cannot even get over the amount of mercy that's been distributed to us on a daily basis. Lord, help us to be good stewards of that. But help us this week in, in a way that we could say thank you to you. Live a life of honor so that people will see us and we can point them right to the cross. Bless our church, Lord. Bless the families that dedicated their babies this morning. Bless those that are sick. Bless everybody watching online today. And help us, Lord, to live an honorable life for you. We ask you this in Jesus' name. And everybody say it with me. Amen. Johnny, come on up here. Give it up for Johnny, would you, everybody? Amen.